नमस्ते गाइस आई एम डॉक्टर अनुश्रुति एंड आई एम बैक विद एन अमेजिंग एपिसोड वेल वी ऑल टॉक अबाउट फिजिकल हेल्थ मेंटल हेल्थ बट व्हेन वाज द लास्ट टाइम यू हैड अ डिस्कशन अबाउट इमोशनल हेल्थ वेल वेट डू यू गाइस इवन नो व्हाट इज एन इमोशनल हेल्थ डू यू गाइस इवन नो दैट आर यू इमोशनली हेल्दी Well, to answer all these questions today on board, I have Dr. Karthik Ramanan, A.K.A. Dr. K. Well, he is a naturopathic doctor and a and an emotional health expert. And today I have him on board with me to discuss all about your emotional health. So why would we miss this chance to speak to him directly when he is in front of us? Hello, Dr. K. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully. How are you? I am good. I really want to know what exactly do you mean by being emotionally healthy? What is the emotional health we are talking about? Absolutely. So, emotional health is a person's ability to identify, process and act upon feelings uh in a certain situation and over the course of time. So, identify how you're feeling process how you're feeling and act upon how you're feeling uh in an appropriate way cuz sometimes you know we have those moments where let's say we are um our 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 rope is thin right we have a lot of stressors going on and those are the times that it's easier for us to be hard on ourselves maybe snap at somebody else and those are not uh things that are going to help us move forward into the person that we want to be uh and so when we can master our emotional health uh we are mastering two elements of it really our emotional intelligence self awareness also awareness of the the people around us so that we can communicate in a way that they understand uh and that they receive it and then also emotional resilience so that when life inevitably throws the curveballs at us when life inevitably becomes challenging uh that we are able to respond in the best possible way that is so great so well do you think that someone's uh, mental and physical health is subject to risk if one's emotional health is not taken care of absolutely i mean it all it all ties together right we're not isolated body systems uh you know the the the, the kidneys and liver have a connection right the gut and the brain have a connection like, there's it's all interconnected and so uh one of the the the, the main uh, tenant that i that i teach is what i call the five pillars of emotional health so number 1 your personal psychology so your uh, ability to understand yourself your emotional intelligence your belief systems uh the lens through which you see the world right the uh the stories that you have about yourself about the world around you all of those uh factor in as well as a uh, history of trauma right both uh individually and uh you know sometimes uh family trauma or societal trauma so all of those things factor into how we think act and feel number 2 our relationships uh, may have heard uh the saying you're the average of the five people and ideas that you spend the most time with right we literally become our environment so if we have people in our immediate space that we spend a lot of time with who are uh let's say uh negative uh victim mentality you know things along those lines it's very hard for us to 
uh, be in a very emotionally healthy place. Now, some people, we, you know, let's say friends that are that way, we can part ways. Um, family is a little bit harder, right? And there are different approaches for that. Uh, can't cut family out of your life entirely, right? And so, uh, but there are definitely ways to elevate ourselves so that we make it safe for other people around us to become emotionally healthy as well. So number two, relationships. Number three, nutrition. Uh, what does nutrition have to do with emotional health? Everything. <laughs> 90 to 95% of the neurotransmitters that regulate how we think, act, and feel uh, are generated by the bacteria in our gut, not even by our own brains, by our own body. And so when we eat foods that foster uh, the best uh, gut bacteria composition, our gut microbiome, uh, that allows us to generate the appropriate amounts of serotonin, dopamine, GABA, all these other neurotransmitters that are intricately connected to how we feel. So something that I came across, and, and really the gut microbiome research is is fairly, um, it's not new, but the, the, the strides in it have happened, you know, largely in the last five to six years. Um, and so there's a lot of new, exciting research that's coming out here. W one fascinating thing that I, I, I learned is, uh, um, that is one of those things I'm sure for you as well, you know, we study this stuff, we know this stuff, but every so often you come across, uh, some research, uh, that just blows your mind still. Right. And for me, one of them was, you know, have the vagus nerve, right. Which innervates, uh, our, our lungs or heart or our gut. Uh, digestion, all of these things, these these autonomic functions, life critical functions. And yet the vagus nerve fibers, 90% of them don't fire from the brain to the gut. 90% of the fibers fire from the gut to the brain. Only 10% is from brain down, which is fascinating to me. So there's so much information. There's so much power to uh, improving our emotional health by addressing our gut health. So that's number three, nutrition. Number four, sleep. Uh, it's the first thing to go when we're busy and we're high achieving individuals or got a lot going on in life. Like, oh, I'll, I'll take it out of my sleep budget. Uh, you can do that for the short term. But as somebody uh, myself uh, who sacrificed sleep for many years for the sake of, you know, education, for the sake of my career, uh, all of those things, um, you know, the, the bill comes due one day. And the reality is that our, uh, our long-term brain health is so deeply tied to uh, our sleep patterns throughout our lifetime. We're generally sleeping one third of our life. Uh, you would think that if this was an unnecessary function, that it would have been selected out uh, evolutionarily speaking. But the reality is that sleep is incredibly important for processing the day's events, uh, committing things to long-term memory, for literally detoxifying the brain at night. So sleep is powerful. And we, we've all had that feeling, you know, when, we're, when we are sleep deprived and then maybe we're hopped up on coffee the next morning, we might feel less emotionally resilient. We might be a little more snappy, right? Sleep is very important. And number five, body movement. Motion dictates emotion. Uh, it's not necessarily just exercise. Uh, the, if you study the blue zones, uh, which is research for... Uh, looking at the longest lived populations on earth, what are some of the characteristics that they have? One of them is that they don't necessarily exercise, but they are in constant low grade motion. Their bodies are always in motion during the day. Uh, maybe they're walking to the grocery store, maybe they're taking the bike to work or whatever it might be. 
or just the natural nature of their job it allows them to be in motion quite a bit my uh my previous career and and actually technically even right now uh, a lot of it is spent either you know in a chair in front of a client or behind a desk my previous career entirely behind a desk uh and so that that stationary element uh, we need to make sure that we get up and move every so often if not create more uh, movement patterns in our day-to-day -day life so psychology relationships nutrition sleep body movement and so a lot of those relate to our physical health as well and so it's we're an interconnected being and we we can elevate all of those things by addressing each pillar beautifully explained also okay now we have come across the fact that we have two kinds of people introverts and extroverts now for being emotionally healthy what do you think is you know the nicer way to approach approach life as in we have a set of people you know who are uh, vocal about their thoughts who just know how to let their thoughts be described to other persons uh, uh, for example if someone is angry if someone is uh, you know not in a good mood he or she will snap on the other person will shout will tell on the other hand we have some set of people who do not do all these stuff what they do is they keep their thoughts inside them within them so what do you think is the better way to live life for being emotionally healthy to there's, be vocal about your thoughts and or to be uh, you know uh, keeping your thoughts keeping to yourself inside. yeah uh somewhere in between um because on the two extremes of it, you have the people who, and this was formerly me, by the way, uh, bottling it up, not talking about it. Um, maybe there's a cultural element to it. I don't know. But either way, uh, when we hold it all inside, if it's not properly processed, it doesn't go away, right? And so... That could mean, you know, working with uh, a therapist. That could mean um, journaling. It could mean whatever it is that you need to go through in order to really process not just recent events or I had a rough day, but what are the past events that lead us to analyze the present situation as it is rather than seeing it through a different lens? On the flip side of it, you have people that basically think out loud, right? They speak before they think. And sometimes that can be extremely painful because the person on the other end takes your word as what you mean, when in reality, that person's just thinking out loud. Somewhere in between, right? Uh, so one of, the, one of the concepts that I, um, I, I teach is, is one of, it's called amygdala hijack, right? And so the amygdala and the limbic system are... Uh, parts of our brain that uh, are shared with various other animals and it controls, you know, the amygdala is our fear center, our emotional center, and the hippocampus is right associated with it. And one of the, its functions is to maintain a category, uh, a library of threats. So let's say, you know, we are having, um, we're crossing the street and all of a sudden with, we don't see it, but a car comes screeching by so what do we do we just jump back immediately we don't think about it we just jump back uh and then we realize what happened right so that's the amygdala recognizing hey this is a threat 
Hippocampus, have we seen this before? Yes, that's a threat. Okay, let's take over and move back. Uh, if something is not considered a threat, then our frontal cortex, which is our rational thought, um, personality, all those things, the things that make us very human, right? That takes over. And that that's usually what where we're operating from. So what happens is that if we are in a calm state, we can operate from our frontal cortex and we can think rationally and operate rationally. Uh, however, when we get a signal, so sight, sound, it gets routed to both places. Frontal cortex, which operates a little more slowly and rationally, and the amygdala, which operates much more quickly and more emotionally. So if the amygdala says, hey, hippocampus, have we seen this before? Hippocampus says, no, we haven't. Okay, it's not a threat. Then frontal cortex, continue. But if the hippocampus says, we have seen this threat before, then we act emotionally, and it actually hijacks the signaling to our frontal cortex, and we cannot think rationally. That's why when we're angry, or we have a friend or family member that's angry, and you try to explain to them, it doesn't work, right? You have to let the person calm down. We have to let ourselves calm down when we're in those situations. That's not the time to talk to people, right? It, when you're angry, you re remember what I said, identify, process, and act. If you, you can identify in the moment, wait a second, I've been triggered, I'm angry. This is why, I know why, but I'm going to mitigate the damage. I'm not going to speak my mind here because whatever I say is probably not even the truth. It's just my mind processing different possibilities. So once the amygdala hijack has, has settled, which takes most people around 20 minutes, uh, but everybody's a little bit different. So that's where the introspection and, and self-awareness comes in. Um, then we can come back to that person and say, okay, I want to talk about this. So you do need some balance, right? You need to be able to talk about things, not bottle them up. You also don't want to talk about them from a purely emotional state, especially if it's, you know, let's say, a, you know, a, a, somebody you're in a relationship with or a friend or family member or colleague, uh, you want to be able to process what you're going through so that you can speak rationally. Well, this, I understood that what the approach you are telling about, and I believe is going to, you know, work wonders for people who are listening to me out there because balance is the key. And once you get to know how to maintain balance in life about everything, your life is sorted at that point. Well, I want to know, Dr. K, about signs of being emotionally unhealthy. Now, coming to this, I know emotionally unhealthy at this point of the episode, or everyone, all the people who are listening and watching this episode, would think about signs as in crying, being angry, which we say anger issues, or shouting. But what are the real signs, which are somehow, you know, uh, I would say, uh, just ignored by people of being emotionally unhealthy or unfit? Yeah, great question. Um, and I love that you also brought up, you know, anger, crying, things like that. Um, fundamentally, like, so here's, here's something that I get often. This perception that emotional health is the ability to withstand anything that comes our way and be unaffected by it all. That's absolutely not what it is. What it is is the, again, identify, process, and act, right? So what you want to be able to do is get yourself to a place where 
you can feel what you're feeling and process what you're feeling. And if that means being angry, be angry. Don't take it out on other people. If that means crying, you can cry, right? What being emotionally healthy does is it reduces the length of time that you're thrown off your game and it reduces the severity, right? So instead of being, uh, you know, let's say um, somebody says something to you at work and instead of being completely upset for the entire day, maybe into the next day, now that shrinks to two hours, one hour, 10 minutes, five minutes, right? And then the intensity shrinks too. So instead of being absolutely furious, you're a little mad or maybe annoyed, right? And you can process that and say, okay, why am I being triggered? Oh, I know what it is. This person actually didn't know what they were doing. I have this story and it pushed the button. That one's on me. Or it could be, no, I'm pretty sure that's probably not going to be a good way for that person to talk to other people. You bring that up. So it's, it's not necessarily those symptoms, so to speak, that are a problem. It's when they get out of control. So to really know about emotionally healthy, I think you can look at it from a, uh, from five of the human needs. And there's various models for human needs. Obviously, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is the uh, probably best known one. Um, the one I like to think about with my clients is, number one, your stability. We need stability in life. We need to know that we have food, that we have our, our housing, um, that we have our transportation, that we have our job, that we have you know our family and friends that we can rely on. And when those things are are um, not present or not not there at the level that we need them to be, that can cause stress and that can cause us to be less emotionally healthy. Number two, we also need some excitement in our life because if every day is the same as the one before it, we have nothing to look forward to. We have no variety is the spice of life, right? So if you feel that every day is almost the same as the one before it, or if you catch yourself scrolling on TikTok for three hours rather than focusing on something that will help you grow, as an example, that could be a sign that we're a little bit emotionally healthy. You want to be able to create enough excitement in your life. Now, if you get too much excitement, then you don't have stability to balance, right? So there's a, and, and everybody's a little bit different. You got to find that, that sweet spot for yourself. Number three, human connection, love, right? We need that. We need people in our lives. We need, we're a social species. We're not lone wolves. It doesn't work that way right? And introvert or extrovert, by the way, right? Introvert, extrovert, the way that I like to think about it is less about, you know, do you, um, do you like being around people or not like being around? It's more about, you know, because you can have a lot of people that are really um, outgoing introverts or uh, people that like extroverts that like time with themselves as well. And what I what I think is a better way to look at it is what, um, under what circumstances do you regain your energy? So if you regain your energy by having quiet time with yourself, that's introvert. If you regain your energy by having engaging conversations and experiences with other people, extrovert. Um, but it still always has to be the right people, you know? If you have the energy vampires, I don't care if you're an extrovert, you don't want to be around them, right? 
So it, it's, uh, we need human connection. We need quality connection, number three. So if we don't have those things, that could be a sign that we're emotionally unhealthy. Um, continuing on. If we're not growing, we're dying. It's the same for uh, human beings, animals, plants, businesses, right? We always have to be in a state of growth. Um, you know, I think at least in, um, in the U.S., right, a lot of the uh, commercials, things like that are all geared around, you know, be happy, right? You hear that advice a lot. Just do what makes you happy. And I say, if you do what makes you happy, that's only going to make you comfortable. And at some point when you become too comfortable, it stops being fulfilling. I have a client who's in his mid-50s, very successful in his career. Um, and he tells me, it, I've made my life too easy. And it's not fun. It's like, I need to figure out how to make, make things a little more challenging so that I can grow. So that's exactly right. So don't do what makes you happy. No, do what makes you grow. Because when you grow, you're going to feel satisfaction, happiness. You're going to feel excitement because you're learning something new, right? You're going to feel connection because a lot of times when we're growing in certain ways, we're connecting with different people in order to do so. So one of the things for me as an example is uh, over the next uh, few years, uh, I want to uh, get my private pilot's license, not because I want to you know, fly commercially, but just because I'm interested, it'd be fun to do it. Um, in doing so, I'll meet a whole lot of other people. So you get, you get those connections that way. So growth is incredibly important. If you don't feel you're growing in life, something wrong with you. That's okay. We're actually wired to stay safe and not change, but it's not fulfilling. So find ways to grow. What are the things that you've always wanted to learn? And maybe a parent or somebody else told you, oh, you know, there's no, there's no career in that, or there's no, okay, well, now you're, you're going and doing your thing. Doesn't mean you can't go and learn that skill or that hobby for fun. Um, so go for it, right? Grow. And then number five, so important purpose. We all need a reason to be here. We all need a reason to live our lives. And if you feel a lack of purpose, that will drain your emotional health. Now, how does one find our purpose? There's a variety of ways to go about it. Sometimes purpose just smacks you in the face. So uh, I'll give the short version of, uh, of my story to give an example here. So previously, um, out of college, I actually worked on Wall Street for five, uh, sorry, for eight years. Um, and that was during the Great Recession. And during that, so it was a very stressful time to be in the industry. And um, I found myself very successful in my career, but also lacking a sense of fulfillment inside. And I didn't know what that was. There was this purpose that I was missing. And uh, my health started to deteriorate. I saw my sister after a three-month span. And during that time, she had lost 30 pounds. Her, her acne had cleared up. She looked incredible. And I was at a rock bottom. And I said, okay, whatever you did, I'm going to do. And she tells me, oh, I've just been eating a whole food plant-based diet. I said, okay, show me how to do this. Um, and so I just started changing the way I ate. And I was on the... Uh, I started the process of losing a hundred pounds, but in the process of that, people would come to me and ask me for advice on this and that. And, and I saw type two diabetes go away, hypertension, chronic migraines, all by people changing their food. And that's what got me thinking, Oh man, I got to do this for my career. I found out about naturopathic medicine. I moved across the country, gave up everything that I had before. And, uh, in the process, um, also met the love of my life, you know, and so got married 
in the process of doing all that, I found purpose. My purpose in helping other people become emotionally healthy and ultimately find their purpose. Um, sometimes the greatest purpose we have comes from the pain that we've experienced. If you can take that pain and experience and transform it into serving others, therein lies the greatest purpose. So if you have stability, excitement, uh, human connection, growth and purpose, you'll be emotionally healthy. If any of those areas decline, those are areas to focus on and so that you can improve your emotional health that way. Beautifully explained. I would say this was one of the few episodes where we are not into the human body, we are not into the anatomy, but we still get to learn so much about ourselves and eventually making ourselves better in all the senses. And the way you just told about the approach towards life while having balance and keeping out the signs and noticing it, the red flags of your emotional health is, I feel one of the biggest piece of advices everyone would get, anyone would get from this episode. Well, with this, we have come to an end of this episode. I would like to thank you, Dr. K, for taking our time from your schedule to speak to my audience. And this beautiful topic needs to be discussed and talked a lot more about because I really feel that people ignore their emotional health. Also, because of this, the chain is moving on, the chain, the chain is growing and uh, no one is take, taking care of anyone's emotional health. This is something I told you earlier as well is the need of the R. Emotional health is the need of the R. Thank you so much, Dr. K, for joining in. I hope you enjoyed it and had a great time with us here. Absolutely. Had a wonderful time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, this is your reminder to straighten your back, have a glass of water and move. And also a pro tip. Take care of your emotional health and see the red flags in your emotional health. Your emotional health matters and so does you. So take care of yourself. We'll see you in the next episode. Till then, goodbye. Take care. Mm -hmm.